0: I wanna preach a message to you today called Ten Things God Taught Me in Quarantine. 10 Things God Taught Me in Quarantine. If you're taking notes, you can just write that down. If you want to, you can open up your Bibles today to Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10. Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10. You can make some noise if you want to, you can shout, jump on the chat. Come on, we got people who are watching from Chicago online, people watching from East Tulsa, California, Broken Arrow, all over. But, you know, I think about how Nehemiah in the Bible, he was, he was alive during a time when Israel had been in exile. They had lost everything. They had gone through a very tough time, a, a shutdown, if you wanted to call it that. And then they came into a season of reopening, rebuilding. And during that time, Nehemiah learned a whole lot of things. But one of the most important things is that he realized the joy of the Lord is my strength. And the first thing I want to tell you today, 10 things that God taught me in quarantine. Number one, I'm not in control of the government, but I am in control of how I govern my emotions. I can't control what the president does, what the governor does, what the mayor does, what the chief of police do, what the governor of California does. I'm not not the governor of the state, but I am the governor of my emotions. I'm the gatekeeper of what goes in and what comes out, what stays in. I'm called to govern how I treat each day. I can't determine what you do to me, but I can determine how I react to you. I'm the governor of my emotions. I'm the governor of my reactions Did you know that when you walk in sadness and discouragement, you're more susceptible and vulnerable to sickness and disease? Like, the longer I hold on to sorrow, it's unhealthy for my body. Scientists and doctors have agreed. Like, this is not, like, of course, this is a biblical foundation, but it's also a scientific fact. If I'm worried and stressed and sad and discouraged and focused on the negative, I am way more vulnerable to the virus. I'm way more susceptible to the coronavirus when I have high blood pressure and I'm not managing my emotions and I'm running just rampant with stress and fear and sadness and frustration and worry and I've got a short fuse with my family. That's why I've got to get in control. I've got to be the governor. And guess what? I get to choose every day what emotions I'm going to focus on and what emotions I'm going to allow to sit in my soul. David used to say it like this. Why, O oh soul, are you downcast? David would talk to himself in the Bible. You know, when I read the Bible, I find a lot of people I can identify with. David is my middle name. And when I look at David's scriptures and Psalms, I could so, it makes sense. He says, Man, I'm discouraged, I'm overwhelmed. I've been there before. How many of y'all have been discouraged in the last eight weeks at any moment? Overwhelmed a little bit. Worried a little bit. But then David talks himself, just like you could talk yourself into worry, you could talk yourself into worship. Just like you could talk yourself into depression, you could talk yourself into victory. So David would speak over his emotions. Emotions. Put your hope in the Lord. Put your faith in the Lord. God is still on the throne. God has not left the throne. I can't control the government, but I can govern my emotions. I can't control the virus, but I am in control of my victory. Paul said in Philippians chapter four, if you got your Bibles, turn there, Philippians chapter four, y'all alive today. you ready today. Come on. Philippians. chapter. I put on my suit jacket for y'all on Mother's Day. I came out of quarantine looking sharper than I did before the quarantine. Come on. Those of y'all who go to church here, you know, I don't normally wear the suit jacket, but I did it for grand grand. She's watching online. I love you, grand grand. I did it for my wife. I got the, the hanky in here. I got the whole thing. <laughs> Philippians chapter four, Paul, the apostle was in quarantine. Come on. You're not the first one to go through this thing. Paul, the apostle did too. This is not God's first rodeo to deal with a church that's in quarantine, a church that's coming out of quarantine. But in Philippians four, the government told Paul, Paul, you cannot preach, you cannot go to the streets, you can't go into the churches, but Paul found a way. Come on, Paul was resilient. He couldn't control the government, but he could govern his emotions. And he began to write in quarantine. This was his online church. This was his drive-in service. He began to write letters to Christians. And he said in Philippians 4, verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. What was Paul saying? He was saying, get your joy back. Get your joy back. You're in charge of your joy. You're in charge of rejoicing. Church, when I preached the first week with y'all not in the room, it was hard to feel joyful. I was walking through here. I was sweating. I was looking at all the empty chairs. I went to the back of the room. I just began walking through the room, and I was trying to figure out what am I going to do? How long am I going to preach to empty chairs? It feels so good to see you, Vinay. It feels so good to see y'all in the room today. But I went in, and I just I sat here. And I was like crying. I was throwing my own Eeyore pity party. I was like, no one's coming back to church. We're all good. You know, I was just feeling discouraged, overwhelmed. I had to talk myself into rejoicing. I had to talk myself into laughing. Sometimes you need to do that. In fact, that first week, you know, Ashley could tell it was stressing me out. I was thinking about all our staff. I was thinking about all the business people in our church about, you know, whether or not they're going to be able to have their job and what's going to happen to the economy to them, what's going to happen to their families. I was thinking about people getting sick. I was thinking about the symptoms and in my heart, I'm a sympathetic person. So sometimes that gets the best of me. It causes me to really worry about people. I'm, I'm, I move from sympathy into a place of worrying about people, worrying about you guys, and Ashley said, Paul, we've got to get our joy back. We need to make a TikTok video. We need, we need to get our dance back. We need to, our kids are watching how we handle this crisis. And if we handle it with depression and stress and worry, that's what we're going to leave as a legacy for the next generation. Can I tell you how you handle a crisis? It's not just what's going to happen in you. It's, going to, what's, it's what the next generation is going to follow. And so we began to do these laughter things. And, and I was reminded of a, a song my mom used to sing. She used to sing this song growing up. A merry heart doeth good like a medicine, like a medicine is a merry heart. How many of y'all remember that song? You're alive from that time. <laughs> Half of us in the room. Come on. We got some newbies in the room today. Y'all are like, I don't know that song. It's a scripture. It's in Proverbs that a joyful spirit, a laughter is medicine for your bones. It's medicine for your blood. How many of y'all would like to hear my mom sing that song right now? Ready or not. I have footage from 1987 when mama sang it. Mama said, there'll be days like this. I want you to see what mama Looks like in eighty seven. Check this out. If you know the song, sing along. That the joy of the Lord is our strength. As we rejoice in the Lord, we receive strength. A merry heart, it's like a medicine to us. Let's take our medicine right now. <laughs> Just come along and laugh with me. <laughs> oh, let me hear one from my husband over there. doing her dance. Come on. She's getting her groove on. Mom, show them those dance moves you got going on. Go ahead. Look at that. Come on. TikTok. What's up? (laughs) Come on. Mom, you know what I thought was so funny was the crowd. Hey, Benny, the crowd. When they went to the crowd shot, that one woman, she was just like, She was like, I'm not into this, but she finally got into it. And then when they went to dad's face, dad's face was like, come on. You kept on dancing, kept on laughing. Give it up for Pastor Sharon. You know, I think about y'all like, come on. We're just in the living room today. We just got our kids over here, like drawing and crawling around. This is how church is supposed to be. It's not supposed to be stiff necked. It's not supposed to be religious, it's supposed to be joyful. Some of us come to church like it's a funeral, like we're going to God's funeral, like, Oh, God died. God's not dead. We're not coming to a funeral, we're coming to freedom, we're coming to celebration, we're coming to victory, you know. Like, and, and I think we've got to remember just because the gov- just because things are happening in the world, doesn't mean we've got to walk around just taking everything so serious, just so serious, we can't laugh can't have fun, can't smile. Church is not meant to be endured. It's meant to be enjoyed. Following Jesus is not meant to be, oh, I gotta endure the pain. It's meant to be enjoyed. God wants you to enjoy him. But it's a choice. And that's why Paul said, I choose to rejoice. Now, Paul was writing this in prison, in quarantine. I choose to rejoice. I'm, ta- I'm governing my emotions. I'm the gatekeeper of my mind. I'm the governor of Paul the Apostle. I'm the governor of my zip code. I'm the governor of where I live. I'm going to let joy rise up in my spirit. Number two, number two, the second thing I learned is God doesn't social distance and he can never be shut down. Come on. How many of are thankful that God does not social distance? You know, one thing I've learned during this crisis is so many of you that are watching on here and, and, and you're tuning in, you've said, man, I've just felt God's presence in my apartment. I felt God's presence in my house. I'm so glad that God doesn't keep a six foot distance from me. The Bible says he's close to the brokenhearted. The Bible says he's an ever present help in time of need. And the great thing is the government might be able to shut down restaurants and gyms and the government might be able to shut down certain companies, but the government cannot shut down God. God cannot be shut down. God cannot be sheltered in. God is always open and he's always available. In the middle of this crisis, many times I would come in here or I would stand on the roof and I would just feel the presence of God. And I just hear God speaking to me. How many of you felt God's presence in your life during the middle of this crisis? It's almost like he's just been right there. I got you. I'm with you. I'm for you. He cannot be shut down and it is not social distance. Number three, the third thing I learned in this quarantine is that God favors the bold. God favors the bold. Right when the first week happened of quarantine, Our church, our staff came in and they said, what are we gonna do? I said, we're gonna figure out a way to bring help and hope to as many people as possible. People said, you should shut down the Dream Center. Don't even help people. Don't give anything away. Just stay home for 10 weeks. Don't, Don't do any type of church services. I said, that's not us. If we're the only ones open in the whole world, we'll be bold. We'll take a stand. We'll find a way to share hope, to share help. We'll take the hits. And sure enough... That first week or so, we were the only church that was doing what we were doing. But I kept feeling this thing in my heart. I woke up one night, and I kept hearing these words, fortune favors the bold, fortune favors the bold. It's from a cartoon my kids watch. And then it switched. God favors the bold, God favors the bold, God favors the bold. And I started thinking about stories in the Bible, like Noah building an ark, During a time where it had not rained for hundreds of years, it was crazy. It was bold. God favored him. I started thinking about Abraham moving towards a country where no one lived and nobody knew anything. And he had no clue what he was doing. He was walking into a new normal, but God favors the bold. I started thinking about Esther, how she had a chance to be silent, a chance to shelter in, a chance to shut down, to preserve her own life as the queen in Persia. But she realized, if I don't speak up, there will be a Holocaust on my watch. Jews will be killed. If I don't use my voice, I'd rather die in courage than die in a palace. I'd rather die in boldness than die eating in this palace. And sure enough, she spoke up. And she, and God favors the bold. Jonathan in the Bible, 1 Samuel 14, his father Saul was sleeping under a migraine tree. The Israelites had retreated from the Philistines. They were afraid. They were discouraged. The virus had overwhelmed them. But Jonathan said, we could sit here and die, and we probably will. We could also climb up the cliff and try to fight this thing, and we can face it head on. And maybe God will show up. Maybe God's waiting on us to show up for him to show up. Maybe God's waiting on us to walk in boldness, and sure enough, Jonathan's what if, by the way, fear doesn't have to own the what if in your life. You don't have to live every day with the fear-filled what if. You could start walking with the faith-filled what if. He started walking with this what if God shows up? What if God intervenes? Sure enough, God showed up. So I told our team, I said, we're gonna find a way to open up. So we did that first week. We did our service, we did our drive-in service, we started doing groceries. And I was like, God, am I gonna get arrested? (laughs) That week, I got a text, Marquise. I got a text from someone, they said, the governor is about to text you. I said, which governor? (laughs) They said, Governor Stitt of Oklahoma. I said, am I in trouble? They said, I don't know. He asked for your phone number, I gave it to him. I said, what did he say? I'm not telling you, you'll just have to wait from here to hear from him. And I was so stressed. I was eating with Ashley, we're just sitting at home and I was like, babe, I might go to jail. I don't know what's going on. I get a text and he said, this is Governor Stitt. Is this Paul Doherty? I said, yes. I said, am I in trouble? And then there was two minutes of no response. And then the response came, those blue dots, finally it came, the message. And he said, I just want you to know I'm so proud of you and I got your back. I'm so glad you didn't shut down. I'm so glad your church found a way to bring help and hope to people in need. You guys are feeding people who are hungry. You guys are giving out groceries to people. And he said, no one's doing it on the level that you're doing it right now. And you're setting an example that the world needs to see. Within the next 48 hours, Fox News called us and they said, what you're doing is amazing. Can we talk about it on national news? Victory was on national news. I was on Fox and Friends. How many of y'all watched that Fox and Friends that, that morning we were on and they said, how are you doing this? I said. God. It's our team. Our team is rising up with boldness. God favors the bold. Then our mayor announced more restrictions on the city. And, and I started feeling more afraid. I thought, oh man, you know, now, now maybe we can't do it. And this was the week before Easter, but I kept hearing those words, God favors the bold. And I had remembered that Back in early 2019, I had gotten Mayor Bynum's number. I was in the airport, I was going to preach somewhere and I saw this man with glasses and I thought, I think that's our mayor. I went over to him, I introduced myself to him. I said, hey, just want you to know I'm a pastor in town. We love you, we're praying for you. Can I have your phone number if there's ever a rainy day and I just need the mayor's phone number? He said, sure, he gave it to me. And every now and then I would just text him and say, hey, we we love you and we're praying for you. Just want you to know there's a church in Tulsa that loves you and is praying for you. And we know there's a lot of decisions you gotta make. So on that day, I thought, okay, I think I'm gonna call him. And then I talked to myself, no, I'm not gonna call him. I'm afraid to call him. And then God was like, no, call him. Fortune, like God favors the bold. So I called Mayor Bynum. I said, Mayor, this is Paul. He said, I know I got your number saved. I said, have you seen what we're doing? He said, yes. And I was like, am I arrested? He was like, no, keep doing it. We're with you, Paul. Don't stop. The city needs what Victory is doing. What the Tulsa Dream Center is doing is exactly what people need. All I ask is that you follow the guidelines. I said, yes, sir, we'll follow the guidelines. Can I get the chief of police's phone number too from you? So I called, texted the chief of police, just said, Mr. Chief, I want you to know we love you, we're praying for you, we're behind you, chief, you're the chief. Are we okay? He said, absolutely. I love victory. I love the Tulsa Dream Center. We're with you. We had favor with the government. We had favor with the police officers. They came on our parking lot. They even helped us with groceries. They helped at the Tulsa Dream Center. We've had favor with the sheriff. We've had favor with the mayor. Why? Because God favors bold actions and bold actions favor. Like, listen, let me tell you something. During a crisis is a time where God is looking for people to rise up with faith. And say, God, use me. I don't want to just think about me, myself, and I. I want to be used by you in this hour to help people. Because of that boldness, we were able to feed 212,000 bags of groceries. 8,000 people gave their hearts to Jesus. Hundreds of thousands. We had people pulling on our parking lot said, I was going to end it tonight. This one lady, she said, I was going to throw in the towel. i got three kids at home. A teenager that's watching them. And they said, Mommy, where are you going? She said, I'm leaving. And she said, I was driving down the road and I was going to end my life in this crisis because it was too stressful trying to do the homeschool, trying to do all this stuff. And she said a lot of other things. And she said, I was overwhelmed and I was ready to give up. And I drove down 71st in Lewis and I saw lights on in your parking lot. And I saw you guys on the roof and I saw some kid on a scissor lift preaching with a megaphone and I pulled in and I listened. And then you said you got groceries for people after service. She said, I gave my heart to Jesus. I got a bag of groceries and I went home to those kids. She's still alive. She didn't throw in the towel. This is why we do what we do, church, because there's moms and dads and kids and grandparents that need to know God is with them in the crisis and the church is not going to stop bringing hope. Number four. I learned in quarantine that desperation is the breeding ground for innovation to exceed expectations and break limitations. Think about those four friends that brought their paralyzed buddy to Jesus. They come down the street, they've got their paralyzed friend, they're looking for a miracle. Are you looking for a miracle by the way? Did you come to church for a miracle? Did you come to meet with Jesus today? All right, so, so they're coming, they got their buddy. And, and then when they get to the house, it's completely packed and they say, there's no way in and they could have stopped right there. They could have said, okay, we're going to give up. We're going to go back home. We'll watch church online. We'll figure it out. No, I'm just kidding, but they could have stopped. And instead they decided to climb on top of the house and dig a hole through the roof. Desperate times call for desperate measures. We've seen people who've driven hours. We had one family driving from California to our drive in service because they needed it. They needed the hope. They sat in the parking lot, sat in their SUV, kept the windows rolled up, but they just tears coming down their face. I said, why did you drive all the way from Alameda, California? They said, because we need what this church is bringing. We had to be in the parking lot. We couldn't just walk. We had to be here. Desperate times call for desperate measures. When the woman was bleeding and she had been to so many doctors who robbed her of all her money, what did she do? She pressed through the crowd. Why? Because desperation is the breeding ground for innovation. She started thinking, I don't even need him to preach a sermon. I don't need him to lay hands on me. All I need to do is touch the hem of his garment. She invented a new way for miracles. She innovated a brand new path, a brand new methodology for miracles. God's going to bring some innovation to the church that we've never seen before. We're going to start doing things we've never done before. Business leaders, entrepreneurs, you're going to start inventing things you never thought of before. God's about to release a spirit of entrepreneurial innovation. You're going to soar. what was meant to be a setback is a setup for a comeback. The greatest comeback in Tulsa, Oklahoma, we've ever seen from North Tulsa to South Tulsa. There's going to be. Listen, I I believe God's going to fill churches and God's going to fill companies. God's going to give everyone who needs a job a job. God's going to give everyone who needs bread on their table bread on their table. But now is not the time to tap into fear. Now's the time to tap into faith. You think about George Washington Carver during a time where he was completely oppressed. There was so much prejudice in his time. There was so much limitations that were placed on him. And all he had was a peanut. All you have is all you need. George started to think, what could he do with a peanut? Began to invent all kinds of ways to use the peanut. I think about the movie Hidden Figures. How many of y'all saw the movie Hidden Figures? Moms, y'all are like hidden figures oftentimes working behind the scenes. You're the heroes without capes. Give it up for all the mamas in the room. But I think about those three women in that movie. Here they were, they were treated so badly by people during that time. They were oppressed. They were there were so many limitations on them. But in the midst of those limitations, they had a spirit of innovation. You can't stop a person who's got a spirit of victory. Can I tell you that victory is not an external destination? It's an internal disposition. Victory is not arriving someday on the other side of beating cancer. Victory is in the middle of cancer. You don't lose your hope. You don't lose your song. You don't lose your joy. You, I, I love that moment six months ago when Johnny Netters came up on stage. He had the mask on. He had just finished his third chemo treatment. And he said, God is faithful victory. God is faithful. He started singing a song of victory. I said, Johnny, how do you have that? He said, I never lost it. Victory is not arriving at a destination. Victory is a spirit you carry through the whole journey. Victory is, you can't come hell or high water. No weapon formed, baked, fried, grilled against me. Will prosper. God is inside me. Resurrection life is in my bones. Is it in your church? Oh yeah, it's in my bones. Victory is in my bones. It's in my DNA. This is why Paul couldn't be stopped. You quarantine him, he's got the victory. You let him out, he's got the victory. You bite him with the snake, he's got the victory. You put him in a storm, he's got the victory. Come, whatever comes, he's got the victory. Somebody say, I got the victory. Number five, pain has a purpose. It's often the process for promotion. A couple weeks ago, I tag team preached a message with Bishop Jakes and Stephen Furtick on stage via video. And afterwards i i sent a text to both of them i said hey thank you for letting me tag team preach they said man those words you shared i sent them the clips they said those are the words the world needs right now because sometimes we run from pain sometimes we want pain to leave sometimes we just want to get through the pain as fast as possible but pain has a purpose did you know in hebrew there's a word called masher m-a-s-h-h-e-r masher it is the word that is used for crisis but it is also the word that is used for birthing stool, potter's wheel, and it's the first three-letter root of the word used for brokenness. In Hebrew, the same word that's used for crisis is also used for mothers giving birth to a brand new baby. In Hebrew, the same word that's used for mothers giving birth to a brand new baby is also the word that's used for potter's wheel. In the middle of this crisis, God is molding you on the potter's wheel. He's shaping you. You cannot be molded unless you're broken. The brokenness is the preparation for the birth pains because you're about to birth something new. God's about to bring something new in the midst of crisis. God is about to birth a brand new you. He's reinventing you. He's reemerging you. He's preparing you for such a time as this. This pain has a purpose. Number six, God is going to use what the enemy meant for harm for my good. God is going to turn this crisis into a catapult for the church to go into the greatest revival. This pain has a purpose. This setback is a setup for a comeback for Victory Church. Come on, I believe churches are going to be filled in August. I believe there's going to be revival this summer. I believe there's going to be a breakout of healings, salvations, testimonies, compassion innovative ideas number seven God is more committed to his will for our lives and the church than we are God is a way maker he is for you he is going to lead you out of the 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 wilderness you've been in number eight when no one else and nothing else seems reliable God can always be trusted if you've had any moments where you've been wondering can I trust these people on the news can I trust What this news station is saying? Can I trust what this governmental leader is saying? Can I trust the facts and the data from this person? I felt that way during these last eight weeks. There's been times where I've been trying to figure out who can I trust, and yet I'm reminded the Word of God is trustworthy and true. It's outlasted viruses, it's outlasted politicians, it's outlasted all the the, the things the world's gone through. This is a trustworthy, reliable source. It is the Word of God. Number nine, don't make permanent decisions during temporary seasons. So many people made permanent decisions. I talked to one guy who said, you know, I've, I've decided to just shut down my church. I said, for how long? He said, for good. I said, don't do that. Don't do that. He said, Paul, I, I can't afford it. I can't do anything. I said, man, he said, I got to go to Domino's. I got to get a job. And my heart breaks for so many people who've lost jobs in this time. I said, don't give up. Your community needs you. Your city needs you. I was on the phone with pastors in California and they said, Paul, it's really hard here. We're being told we can't meet, can't even gather until September. I said, don't lose hope. Don't make a permanent decision. This is gonna pass. Your community needs you. Your city needs you. Your family needs you. Whether it's a permanent decision of shutting the doors on a dream God put in your heart or just throwing in the towel, I don't know who I'm speaking to online who's still in quarantine or trying to figure out what's next. Don't make a permanent decision during a temporary storm. This will pass. I was on the phone yesterday with Gran Gran. She's doing well. She's watching online. I love you, Grand Grand. We see you out there. She said, I'll, I'll be coming into church the end of May. And um, she said, Paul, if people can just hold steady. She was born during the Great Depression. She said if people can just hold steady she's 97 years old we're gonna get through this and we're gonna come out stronger on the other side i said grand grand when you get out of quarantine you say that on the stage so everyone can hear you say that number 10 god's promises and principles supersede any earthly circumstances God's promises are still true. The virus, don't let the virus change your theology. Don't let the government change your theology. Don't let a season shift what you think about the promises and the principles. The principle, seed time and harvest remains in the earth. As long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest. That's a principle. You can't get away from it. In other words, God's going to provide for you. The promises that as he takes care of the birds, as he takes care of the flowers, so he will take care. Stand up on your feet this morning. God God is good and he is going to take care of you he's going to get you through this how many of y'all receive this word today I remember when our house burned down in 1991 and we moved in with grand grand for a little while and then we moved in with another family for a year we didn't have a house and I remember going to my mom several times mom are we going to get through this she said oh yeah we're going to make it I said how do you know because God's with us But how else do you know? Because God's for us. But how else do you know? Help my kids to stop asking questions right now in Jesus' name. (laughs) We always ask questions, and you know, Mama said, there'll be days like this. There'll be days like this, Mama said. But Mama also said, we're going to get through these days. Mama said, God's gonna be with us through these days. Mama said, we're gonna come out stronger after this fire. And mama was right. Come on, if mama ain't happy. (laughs) But I remember a year and a half after the fire, not only did God bless our family with a house, it was better than the previous house. It was a miracle house. The previous house that burned down, we had an above ground pool that someone had blessed us with but in the the house that God blessed us with that my mom and dad were able to move in, it was an in-ground pool. I remember just crying when I saw that house. I thought, this is incredible. God takes care, God's gonna take care of you. You're gonna get through this. Don't you lose hope, no matter how long it takes. Would you bow your head to close your eyes? God's got you. He cares about the dreams in your heart. He cares about the details of your life. With every head bowed, every eye closed, those watching online, if you're here today and you just need to get your eyes back on God, I want you to raise your hand. If fear or worry or pain or discouragement has been messing with your spirit, I want you to raise your hand today. You're getting your eyes back on God. You're getting your thoughts fixed back on God. You're getting your heart Just fix back on the promises of God, the principles of God. If you're here today and you just need to surrender some fear, some worry, some discouragement to God, raise your hand today. Don't be ashamed. Don't be afraid. If you're watching online, just say, that's me. This message was for me. I needed to be reminded that God has been good. I've been young, I've been old, and I've never seen the righteous forsaken. Secondly, you're here today, you're watching online, and you say, man, I just need to get right with God. I need to surrender to Jesus. If that's you, raise your hand. Today is your day to say, Jesus, be my Lord and Savior. I repent of sin. Maybe you knew God, and you walked away from Him, or maybe you didn't. And today's your first time to just truly say, God, be my Lord and Savior. I'm gonna ask us all to pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, I surrender to you. I'm all yours. Thank you for dying on the cross. Raising from the dead, I repent of sin and I receive your forgiveness. I confess you as my Lord and Savior. I surrender every negative emotion, all the fear, all the discouragement, the future, the past, the present. I surrender to you. I choose to trust in you because you're a good God. I'm all yours in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you. We love you. You are dismissed.